0: Hex Noir presents Black Moon Cataclysm Chapter 3 The unraveling changed everything. With magic flooded back into the world after four and a half centuries, the world was turned upside down. People who had been subjugated their entire lives were empowered with supernatural gifts for the first time, while the governments, corporations, and institutions of the world scrambled to consolidate as much power as they could. Not only did this lead to an explosive technological innovation, but it also uprooted many systems that had been all but set in stone. The result? war. While Felhaven underwent a violent civil war, the world around it tumbled into its own upheaval. Arbrand sent missionaries far and wide all over the world to gather and seize as much influence as possible. Meanwhile, the nation of Bouvere seceded from the Krongard dynasty, the kingdom that ruled most of northern Hayrith. And after a few months of interspersed skirmishes, eventually erupted into a chaotic world war that dragged in almost every nation in the world for wildly different reasons. This was a war of many sides, being fought for many reasons. Many fought for freedom and change and many more fought to maintain the old ways. And with the recent unraveling, the final war as it would be later called, saw the creation and development of a new world of terrors. Weapons, spells, and mechanical monstrosities. All developed to win the war and bring in a new era of peace. May 12th, 1864. The private woke up staring at the blackened sky above. Her body ached all over as she moved. Far in the distance she could hear explosions and screams echo across the vast battlefield, but more immediately she beheld the horrors of war. What had once been the ideally wassau countryside of western Beauvais was now just a wasteland of bent metal. Scorched bodies, blood, mud, and craters of cadavers. The stench of death was so thick that the private almost threw up in her mask. She had been part of the last charge to take the Bavarian front, but the defenses had been much greater than they had been led to believe. She had charged with her fellow soldiers across the field, rifles in hand, and patriotism in their hearts. But then they had been bombarded with cannon fire and bullets. The private began carefully crawling over the mud and half-buried bodies, back to the western Kroneguardian front, back to the trenches they had come from. She just wanted to get back to safety. Crawling back, she came across a deep crater where one of the bombs had landed, but the edges of it looked strange, as the earth seemed to have crystallized and twisted into strange shapes. The private's curiosity got the better of her, and she dared to look down into the crater as she crawled past, and within she beheld the terrible sight of numerous human corpses that seemed to have crystallized and fused together even looked to have been pulled into the crater where they now had become one with the ground, as if the bomb that fell released some immense arcane energy that converted everything in its reach into this dark crystalline substance. But even then, she could see their horrid expressions forever preserved in their final anguish. Bullets suddenly whipped through the air around her and she ducked down so as to not get hit. Now, bullets from both sides were exchanged, and soon bombs started raining down on both entrenched positions as well as the interconnecting no man's land in between. The private balled up and protected her head, pressing her masked face down into the diseased mud. When the bullets and bombs subsided, she allowed herself to open her eyes only to notice the face of a burnt man staring back at her, the corpse of a fellow soldier who had perished some time ago. She remained there for probably an hour, lying there motionless, not daring to move a muscle. But eventually she started crawling again, her heart pounding and her limbs had gone numb, but she was more afraid of dying out here and being forgotten and so she pushed herself further and further to the western front until she could see peeking heads of her compatriots. Captain, movement, she heard someone say. Prepare to fire, someone else ordered. Wait, it's one of ours. The private pushed herself forward faster and faster until she was up and running. Incoming! Incoming! bombs started falling once more, and with them came the gunfire. Bullets soared through the air all around her, but she kept running. The mud beneath her feet threatened to engulf and entrap her, but she kept pushing herself forward. Closer and closer she got to the trenches, until she dove forward, headfirst into safety. Holy shit, said one of the soldiers as he approached and helped the private back to her feet. Are you alright? Did, did you get shot? Did they get you? Uh, I don't think so. I don't, uh, I, I, I don't think so, said the private as she made a poor attempt to check herself for wounds. Are you with the, uh, 74th? asked the captain of the outfit. She nodded. Was there anyone else? Uh, I, I, I don't think so, she said, unsure if anyone else had made it back. There was a shared, solemn expression among the soldiers as it dawned on them that a unit of about five hundred people had most likely just been completely wiped out. "'Well, you should go see the field medic. Get yourself checked. Make sure you haven't suffered any uh, serious injuries. And uh, make it quick. Uh, we will need you back on the front,' said the captain. The private felt a cold sensation wash over her at the thought of going back out there. But she did as she was told.' The tight spaces of the Western Crone Guardian Front were filled with people. Soldiers who were barely eighteen and were being asked to lay down their lives for the dynasty. Their faces collectively conveyed the horrors they had seen and the fear they felt at what awaited them. The Private made her way through the trenches to find the Field Medic, and now that the adrenaline was slowly beginning to drain away, she was starting to feel a piercing pain creep up her left leg. Whenever she asked for the field medic, she kept getting directed further and further away, walking first a mile throughout the network of trenches, and then another, and then another. At one point she passed by an airship that had been shot out of the sky and seemingly crash-landed right next to the trenches. Its wooden hall charred black, and its blimp burned to ashes, leaving only metal framing. Eventually, the private was directed to a series of dug-out spaces that were covered overhead with greyish-brown fabrics that probably blended well into the surrounding environment. There, she found beds upon beds of wounded soldiers. Some were missing limbs and writhing in pain, their anguished screams filling this field hospital. Others were wrapped in bloody bandages and lying eerily still. There the private also found doctors, medics, and healers adorned in the colors and vestments of the church. Each and every one of them was doing everything in their power to ease the suffering of the wounded. But even spellcasters have their limits. When she approached one of the medics, they only briefly inspected her for injuries before ultimately declaring her fit for duty and directing her further away from the front line. She wasn't sure about the diagnosis given the increasing pain in her left leg, but she was at least happy to be moving away from the front line, however long that would last. The private continued through the field hospital to a series of trenches that eventually led her to one of the artillery cannons. Its gleaming metal hull was dark grey but reflected bluish hues off of it. She had been seeing more and more machinery incorporating this new type of metal into their designs. Behind it she saw soldiers pulling a large but empty tank from the cannon and replacing it with another. The metal canister seemed filled with some glowing liquid that shined with a bluish-white light. Very off to, soldier? Someone asked her. I'm uh, not entirely sure, she replied. I, w- uh, I was with the 74th. We got wiped out. The cannon operators looked at one another with expressions that... Both conveyed relief for not having to brave the wasteland between the two fronts, but also one of not knowing how to respond to such a tragedy. And they uh, sent you here? The private nodded. The cannoneers looked at one another before one approached her and put a hand on her shoulder to usher her off to the side. Why don't you uh, take a seat over there? Get some rest. We'll see if we can't figure out where you're supposed to go. Thank you. She said. The soldier led her off to the side where she sat down, and now for the first time she could finally breathe easy. And with that ease came the slow realization and horror of what had happened to her. She felt her hands begin to shake and her heart race as she tried to push it down as hard as she could. But there was no forgetting what she had been through. And this ...was only the beginning. INCOMING! Voices rang out in terror as the Private suddenly heard the dreadful iconic sound of incoming cannon fire. Hoping against hope that the bombardment would not land anywhere close to them, the Private balled up on the muddy ground once more and closed her eyes. But when the first few bombs fell around their cannons, She knew she had to get out of there as fast as possible. She got up and almost slipped and fell, but managed to maintain her balance and began running away. Dirt and rocks rained down on her as the bombs fell and she could hear the screams of nearby soldiers engulf the air. She didn't know where she was running to, but she had to get away. However, when bombs began to rain down in front of her as well, she quickly stopped and turned to run further west as she did, a singular bomb fell on one of the nearby cannons which erupted into a bright blue explosion. The shockwave hit the private, and she could feel the force crack her bones and bludgeon her organs. And then the shrapnel hit. Shredding through her uniform and protective vest, and tearing off half of her mask. The private was thrown sideways, tumbling through the air along with the bodies of several of her comrades, until she eventually hit the muddy ground with excessive force. She rolled on over to her back and tried to crawl away, but the shrapnel now embedded in her body was quickly draining away any remaining strength. There were screams all around her, shouts of commands, wails of pain, and soon, screams of fear. She saw soldiers mobilizing around her, taking defensive positions and beginning to drag away the wounded. But then something strange happened. A few soldiers turned northward and aimed their guns. At first they called out something, orders by the sound of it, but the private was in too much pain to understand any of it. Had the enemy flanked them from the north? Suddenly. The soldiers began firing, and screams of pain and panic began echoing throughout their ranks as the cannon fire moved further south. The private tried to crawl away, but had no strength to do so. A soldier took position right next to her and fired a few shots at something before looking down at her. There was fear and confusion in his eyes until, suddenly, a red crystal-like shard darted through the air and pierced the man's helmet, and he fell down dead, and soon the private saw a man run through the battleground. Curiously enough, he was dressed in chrome guardian colors, but wasn't wearing a mask. His head was shaved and his face was gaunt, and all over his head she could see surgical scars. But moreover, through the smoke and the raining dirt, She could see his crimson-red eyes, clear as day. The man ran across the uneven terrain, around the ruined cannons, and from his fingertips he shot out more of these blood-red shards at the soldiers around him. His comrades, his compatriots more and more he killed until he reached out with his hand towards the last remaining soldier and suddenly crimson spears sprouted forth from the soldier's body as he screamed in pain and ultimately fell down dead it was as if his blood had been weaponized against him the man stood there for a moment amongst the bodies until he turned his red eyes towards the private a red shard formed at his fingertips and for a moment the private thought she'd meet her end. But he didn't kill her. Instead, he let go of the shard and it liquefied and fell to the muddy ground beneath him. And Then he stood there, staring at her. She could see the pain and sadness in his eyes before he ultimately ran away. The private lay there, surrounded by yet more corpses, finding herself in yet another no man's land. She wondered if any of this would ever end, if the world was doomed to spiral into further death and destruction. Was this truly to be their final war? Soon she heard footsteps trudging through the mud until a figure suddenly noticed her and rapidly approached. It's alright, uh, I've, I've got you," said the man, wearing Chrome Guardian colors and mask, but was adorned with the recognizable insignia of the Church Cleric Corps. He then pulled out a medallion and held it tightly in his right hand, while his left was held out over the private with an open palm, and as the man began to pray, a golden light formed in his hand. Soon. The Private could feel some of the pain drain away, and her extensive wounds begin to stitch themselves together very slowly. Suddenly, there was a loud rumble in the sky above, and the Private's first thought was that more cannon fire was incoming. The Cleric looked up, and for a moment, he stopped praying. "What, uh, What is it? The Private barely managed to ask. The cleric turned back to her, and in this moment, she wished she could see his face. We're leaving. You and I were not dying here today, <laughs> even if the Goths seemed determined to end us. He then got up, grabbed a hold of her uniform, and began dragging her away further westward. For a while, as the rumbling got louder and louder, the private could think of nothing but breathing. She just had to breathe and hold on. She didn't want to die here today. She was going to live. And then she began noticing the increased headache that now permeated her mind. And thus she looked up at the graying clouds and saw something she had only seen high up in the sky. But it couldn't be this low. It mustn't be true. But it was. Descending from the clouds down towards the Guardian front was a large black moon returning after orbiting the planet for the past three years. Don't look at it, said the cleric. Look at me. Hear me? Look at me. The private looked up at the man who now dragged her to safety. That's it. That's it. We're going to get out of this, right? He asked, and she could hear. He was smiling. Tears welled up in her eyes as she nodded. Good. And just look at me and focus on breathing, all right? And so she did. She wasn't going to die here on this day, and neither was he. There would be a world here tomorrow, and they were going to see it. No matter what. End of Black Moon Cataclysm.